Well, good morning, Word of Grace, both here and at home. Uh, there's an awful lot of you here this morning, though. How about that? So good to see so many faces. Did you guys know I was teaching today? Uh, no, uh, it, is, it is so wonderful uh, to, to be able to see more and more people uh, uh, in the building. Uh, there is nothing magical about the building, but there is something magical about the family of God. Um, and I just love being around you guys. It's good for my spirit. I hope it's good for yours as well. Um, this morning as we get started, uh, we've been in a series called First Love, and um, it's been uh, absolutely wonderful for me personally. I've been uh, shouting amen at the screen as I watch it uh, when I get home because typically I'm teaching the youth on Sundays. By the way, today you're all youth. Uh, congratulations. Um, so you have to act like it. Um, but uh, it's been absolutely awesome for me. I've been shouting amen at the screen, and, and, just, and, and it's been good for my heart. If you haven't seen um, all the lessons so far, I highly recommend you go back and watch any of the ones you missed. They've been that good that I would recommend it. Um, if you've already seen them once and you need to see them again, do that too. Uh, it's that good. Um, some of the stuff that D Pastor Derek talked about, about uh, uh, passing on your love to the next generation, and uh, Pastor Stephen talking about how um, to know God more, you love Him more, um, so you have to have a right knowledge of Him. And uh, the deeper we go, the deeper we grow, talking about how we grow together and, and our love for each other as we learn to love God more. Just so many great concepts uh, that are a challenge to me, but are good for me. Um, if you're not familiar with it, as we get started today, um, the concept of this entire series was born out of uh, Revelations. Uh, and Revelation is typically a book that we don't do a whole lot of series out of, but it, we start in chapter 2, and I'm going to read uh, some of those uh, verses off for you as we get started so you kind of know where we're coming from. So uh, Revelation uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 is what we're going to be looking at, and it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write the words of him who holds the seven, seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. All good stuff so far. He says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Awesome. But I have this against you, uh-oh, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And, and so that's kind of where we've been driving everything from um, this concept of losing your first love. Um, and you'll note that as uh, they write there, it's not a bunch of you did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. You're doing all the right things. You can be doing all the right things and still be wrong. Has that ever happened to you? And in maybe an argument with your spouse, perhaps? You might actually factually be correct and still be wrong. Yes, amen, men? <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, I did that this morning. Uh, God bless you, work it out, and love each other. Uh, it happens to all of us. Yeah, you can be doing the right thing and still go about it the wrong way. And here's why uh, the heart matters. Uh, this morning, I, I, I direct you to John uh, chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. We're going we're gonna to go straight there and dive right in. Um, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get going. So God, 
as we read, we don't want to forget our first love. Um, we do want to do the right things that honor you, but Lord, we want to love you first and foremost. And this morning, I pray that you would remind us of that and that uh, it would stir our heart towards you and we'd grow closer to you and know you more. Lord, don't leave us the same way that we came in today. Don't leave us that way. Change us this morning so that we become more who you want us to be. And I pray that anything that Pete says this morning uh, that's from me is lost, but that your word would be spoken this morning. Um, I'm just uh, a fool up here trying to work for you, Lord, because I love you. And, and I, I pray that that is what comes through is, is you and your words. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, um, as we uh, dive into chapter 15, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 21, verse 15 of John, um, this is uh, a familiar section of Scripture for a lot of you, and it's where Jesus is talking with Peter, uh, or you'll see him called Simon as well. Uh, don't be confused by that. Uh, the Bible is full of people who change their names a lot, so a lot of nicknames, I guess, uh, in the New Testament, and it can get confusing. Uh, we were just talking about that with the Bible study group on Thursday, um, how sometimes the names are all switched about. Don't worry about that. Simon and Peter, same person, I promise. Uh, go study it afterwards if you really want to find out why. But here's what he says. He says, uh, this is Jesus speaking to Peter, says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I'm talking about all the other people. Uh, he said, and Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus says, feed my lambs. And he says to him a second time, Simon of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend to my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And at first glance, if you haven't looked at that section of Scripture before, you might say, was there a broken record here? What happened? Uh, did Jesus not believe that he was telling the truth? Why is he asking him three times? Well, I'll go over a few things here. First and foremost, in the Bible, when you see repetition, uh, anytime you see repetition, part of their culture is if it's repeated, it's very important. Um, similar to us sometimes, right? If it's repeated, it's important. So Jesus is very much so making a point here. It wasn't because Peter got the answer wrong. Notice Peter never changed his answer. He was trying to get across a point. And you could say, you could look at this and say, ah, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He really wants them to get that that's what he's supposed to be doing. And you're not wrong. Uh, Jesus did want Peter to do that, and Peter did do that. We know that. But what he also was pointing out there is, do you love me? Before you feed my sheep, you need to know whether or not you love me. And this hits home for me even as somebody who has the title pastor. Uh, my job is to do churchy stuff, right? Churchy stuff all the time and make lessons and, and make sure that the people at the church are getting the churchy stuff they need and all that, right? But at the beginning of it all, if I'm doing that because that's my job, I have lost my way. Notice he didn't say, uh, Peter, do you know how to administrate the church? Then feed my sheep. Peter, are you familiar with the most modern pedagogy? 
then feed my sheep. For those of you who don't know, that's teaching style, right? I was a teacher before this, so you'll have to excuse some of the nerd stuff that I say. Math teacher, too, the worst kind. Uh, no, uh, he, he didn't say, do you know how to communicate at a, at a high level? Do you know how to handle finances, Peter? Do you know how to uh, connect and, and, and make a, a web of people that can serve me? No, what did he say? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's the most important thing. Before you even start on the work, do you love me? Well, that to me just kind of gets my, my hackles up and I go, oh, I really need to start there with everything I do. And the question then becomes, if you say it once, are you done? Kind of like the whole, if I, if I get up before a crowd and say, yes, I do, I do love this lady, do I ever have to tell her I love her again or am I done? According to her, I'm not done. Uh, just my experience. Uh, when Jamie and I were first married, um, if you don't know, my wife's name is Jamie. Um, I can't believe that she married me, but she did. Ha, 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 now she's stuck. Um, and I absolutely adored this woman um, and, and just... I wanted my life with her to be this, this beautiful thing, and we were married, and it was so evident that we were in love. You know how it is when somebody's a new couple that's just getting married, and they're kind of sickening to be around to a certain degree. Uh, they just, they can't not be loving on each other. It's just they got these puppy dog eyes and everything going all the time. And uh, we were surrounded by people who were really eager for us to join the No Longer In Love Club. Honestly, honest to goodness, we were surrounded by people who were like, oh, you're just, you, it'll change. And they were eager for us to fall out of love. And that blew my mind because I thought, why, why are you so anxious for us to stop being so good to each other, for us to stop loving each other the way we are right now? Why are you so anxious for that? And the reason is, is because they wanted it to be okay that they did it, if we're being real. Because they've fallen out of love. Because everybody falls out of love is the reality. I can admit that there's been uh, many times where that, that same Pete that loved Jamie from nine years ago almost now is not the same Pete that she sees every day on a daily basis. And that's because there are times where I've fallen out of love. Don't tell her that. Don't let her see this lesson. But that's true. There are times when I am acting in a way that is not in love with her because our human tendency as we do fall out of love. I know that sounds harsh, but that, this morning, that, that's something I want you to understand is that forgetting and falling out of love are passive. Passive. Uh, and when I say they're passive, I mean that they are things that happen simply by the passing of time. There are things like that, yes? Uh, how many of you have ever owned a new car and you got it home and it was brand new and you washed it anyway? Because you were like, ah, my baby, my new car. And a month later, you're fishing french fries from in between the seats. <laughs> what happened? You fell out of love with that new car. It's not quite as special as it once was. It's very rare to find a person who still cares about their new car the same way they did the day they bought it. Something has changed. Um, and time has passed. It's a passive action to fall out of love. 
It takes something different to stay in the in love club. Everybody's going to join the no longer in love club at some point. Uh, And the problem is that loving actions, things that are good, become habits. Uh, The thing that you did first because you loved becomes a habit. And it's not done out of love. It's done because it's what you do. Let me give you an example. When Jamie and I first started dating, I decided I'm going to do that cool thing where guys open the door for their their lady, right? And so I'd open the door. Didn't matter where we go, open the door at every single place we went. Still do. But I can tell you, at first it was a I am so happy I get to open the door for this lady. This is such a cool thing. I would be smiling like an idiot, opening a door like it was something special, like she couldn't handle it herself or something. I don't know. But I loved the chance to open the door for her and show her that she was special to me. Well, you do that a couple thousand times and it becomes habit. And you're just opening a door without even thinking about it. Is it bad that I open the door for her? Not at all. That's still a wonderful thing to do. But... It's become a habit. It's become something I do because it's what I do. I didn't start with the place of, I can't wait to open my door for my wife. That woman's been so good to me. I just want to show her how loved she is. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? It's not the action that became bad. It's my heart. My heart lost its place. Not the action. Um, Likewise, coming to church can be the thing we do. Uh, Most of you who have been coming to church for a long time, you're in the thousands of times you've been to church. And it becomes an action. I come, there's lyrics on the screen, I read them, and then uh, I sit down, I say amen at some point randomly throughout the service. Uh, If I'm paying attention, it might even match up. And then I go home. After I say hi, bye, how you doing, I'll pray for you, right? Those are the things we do. That's the church habits. Are those bad habits. No, they came from a place of love. For the vast majority of you, you have a story that a lot of them I don't even know, but I guarantee there's a story there and it's a wonderful story. But I don't know it and you might have forgotten it. And here's what I'd point out to you. When you forget, when you forget there's going to be a problem and you will always fall out of love with God when you forget uh, when you fail to recognize who you are without him while also recognizing who he is without you. And here's here's what I'm saying. I'll read it again. You will always fall out of love with God when you fail to recognize who you are without him while also acknowledging who he is without you. Who were you before God? Who were, for me, it's ugly. It's an ugly story. Um, Without God, uh, I can tell you that Pete Kokos is a deceptive, uh, a lazy, um, lonely, kind of depressed person. That's just who I am, uh, undisciplined. I can say all those things are true of me without God. A person who didn't like himself and was uh, ashamed of who he was, that, that's Pete Kokos without God. You say, wow. You sound like quite the loser. Yeah, you're getting the point. Yes, that's what I'm saying this morning. Pete Kokos without God is an absolute loser. Still is sometimes even with God, okay? 
That's just the reality of who I am. And you say, that sounds so harsh on yourself. Well, let me uh, address the Bible for a second. Do the Hebrews come off looking like absolute geniuses throughout the Old Testament? No. Who wrote that? The Hebrews. They were pointing out, hey, we do stupid stuff sometimes. We forget who God is and we're failures without him. They were pointing that out. It wasn't somebody else calling them that. What about the disciples? Did they ever come off looking kind of dumb? Who wrote those books? The disciples. They remember. They point that out. They're, they're okay with everybody seeing, hey, God's the hero here. We're nothing special. You can see. Look at our story. We're not that pretty. Look at what God did, though. So in, in one fell swoop, by telling their story, they're saying, we're not special. God is. God was going to be special no matter who he used. He used me, thank you Jesus, but he didn't need to. He could have used anybody because he is God. And you remember that about him. Oh, God loved me. God did this. God is the creator of the world. God is the one who went up on the cross and died for me out of his love for me. And I am, and you fill in the blank with who you are. Hopefully yours is a little bit better than mine, but probably not a lot better if we're being honest. And you say, okay, well, if, if falling out of love is passive, if it's something that's going to happen no matter what, then what am I to do? What am I to do about that? Well, the, the early Hebrew people that we read in the Bible, when God would do something, uh, you would see them do this thing where they would put up a pile of rocks. And you're like, what on earth? Why a pile of rocks? That's what they had to work with. And they would say, this is here so that we remember God did this. Well, this is here so that God, and they would rename things too. You ever read that in the Old Testament? This is now called that. And so that we remember God did this thing there. Why did they do that? Because as much as you see them forgetting in the Old Testament, remembering was important to them. They still failed at it sometimes, but they tried. They would say, oh yeah, this happened, and we're going to tell our kids, that's how you have the Old Testament, because they told. Okay, and they would build a, a memorial and say, God did this thing here. And my question for you is, what did God do in your life, and where's your memorial? Do people know what God did in your life? Do you remember what God did in your life? You need to. That needs to be part of your story. When people hear the story of you, that should be uh, just part of the, the, the things that comes off your lips as if it's just always there. Always there. You know, I, um, I told some, some people uh, recently, I, I had the honor of going to a funeral for a man who loved Jesus. And I say that's an honor because if you've ever been to a funeral for somebody who loved Jesus, it's different. It's just different. And this, this man was a man that every single person who talked about him had the same thing to say. Man, he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. It was always on his lips. It wasn't something he ever forgot. You just knew that about him. And it's challenged me ever since then because I'm wondering, what would people say about me? Would they say, oh man, Pete loves sports. I hope not. 
Or, or maybe Pete's good at church stuff. You know, or, or Pete's good at, Pete's really in love with his daughter. And you know what? That's a great thing. You're right. I am in love with my daughter. But shame on me if the first thing that people don't say about me is Pete's in love with Jesus. Because Jesus died for Pete. Jesus died for you. Knowing exactly who you are, he died for you. What a wonder. That should be the very first thing I'm, I'm always eager to talk about. And how do we fall out of love? It's just passive. It just happens. So you go back and you say, okay, I'm going to do the things I did when I was first in love. And you can do that. And, and you'll, what you'll notice is there's some things about it that actually, if you're being honest, weren't that special. For instance, if you were a brand new believer and knew nothing about the Bible or how to read it, you probably read it when you first became a believer and were like, okay, I don't know what that was about, but I did it. All right. I read a whole bunch of begats today. Thank you, Jesus, that they begat. Uh, you probably didn't have a clue. And, and when you go back and look at it, it's not really something that grew your love for God, but you did it because you loved God. And hopefully you've grown in your understanding of the Bible over time. I look back at uh, when I first started dating my wife, and hopefully you have a similar story where you fell in love and, and you were in this infatuation stage. And out of that infatuation, you purposely grew your love. And here's what I mean by that. I can remember countless hours with Jamie and I when we were first dating. And uh, we had a rule that we wouldn't be alone together uh, anywhere until after we were married. Uh, and that's because I just really liked Jamie. So that was our rule. Uh, we had to be in public places. And that gets difficult for a young person without money, which we were without money. And you think, what am I going to do to pass the time? Because I just want to get to know this lady better. And we would do things that I could not want to do less at this point in my life, like sit at Denny's for countless hours. And I'm not a Denny's fan. Maybe you are. I'm not. And we'd be there at 11 at night, and we'd be helping her study for her, her college classes at the time. Or, you know, you find other places that are open, like Walmart. And we literally would walk around Walmart for hours, folks. Hours. Walking hand in hand in a Walmart at midnight with the people who were at Walmart at midnight. <laughs> You've been, I see. Yeah. We did that because we wanted to grow our love for each other. It's not necessarily the action. I don't think that if Jamie and I were to go back and hold hands and walk through Walmart at midnight, we would suddenly fall back in love. Doing, doing that isn't bad. Uh, I, I would certainly recommend doing some of the things you did when you first fell in love with God or with your spouse. But that isn't necessarily the, the course correction that you need. It's the heart. God looks at the heart of a man. Are you eager to fall in love with him? And you say, okay, well, how's that going to happen? I want to fall in love with Jesus. I want to. And, and that's a, a great phrase to start with. And I remember there was a song when I was a young man, um, Jars of Clay, you might remember it. And it said, I want to fall in love with you, Jesus. I want to fall in love with you. I want to fall in love with you. And I'd listen to that and I'd be like, yes, that's the cry of my heart. I want 
to fall in love with you, Jesus. I want to be as in love with you as that guy that I see who just can't stop talking about Jesus. I want to fall in love with you, but here's the deal. Is that how you fell in love with your spouse? By sitting there going, I hope I fall in love with them. Please, let me fall in love with them. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to. And they come up to talk to you say, how's it going? Good? Okay, bye. I didn't fall in love with them. Oh, I tried. Didn't work. There's action that goes with it, isn't there? You have to put in some work. You stir up those feelings for that person. It's not just a, oh, I hope I fall in love with Jesus and I woke up on Tuesday. Woo, there it is. I'm in love with him now. It worked. That hoping worked. What did I have to do to get there? Well, um, staying in love with God is an active and intentional process. Let me show you um, by going to Song of Solomon. And you're like, whoa, we're going there? Yeah, we're going there. If we're going to talk about love, we're going to talk about Song of Solomon. And uh, I'm going to read uh, chapter 3, verse 5, and then chapter 8, verse 4. And this is the beloved in Solomon. If you're not um, familiar with this, the Song of Solomon, don't try reading the whole book right now. I'm going to totally lose you if you do that. I promise. It's that interesting. Um, but if you're not familiar with it, this is uh, a book of two people madly in love with each other. And they talk about it to each other and to others. And there's the the, the man and the woman, the, the woman's the beloved, and, uh, and she's talking to the other young ladies around her, and I love what she says a couple different times. She says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. She's saying, don't play that game till you're ready. It's powerful. Don't mess with it. Don't wake it up. And then she says again in verse eight, or chapter 8, verse 4, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. She is giving a warning, do not stir it up or awaken it. But what I'm pointing out there is that love is an active process. And folks, if you are in love with the, the, the Savior of the world, with Jesus Christ, I adjure you, stir it up. Awaken your love. That's on you. Just like it was on them to not fall in love. It's on you. It's an active process. Staying in love with God is an active and intentional process. It's not something that's just going to happen because you want it to. That will never work. You're going to have to stir it up. How do you stir it up? You do those things that we've, we've been talking about. You remember. You remember. Who are you without God? And folks, this is one that we're bad at. We're really bad at it. It is so easy to start thinking of yourself as someone who has it together. Let me share with you that it's not who you are. It's not I'm, not, I'm not being mean to you, I promise. If, it, if that sounds like I'm, I'm insulting you, I'm not. But maybe you're holding yourself in too high regard today. You say, well, without Jesus, I'm still a professional. Yeah, who gave you that job? Who allowed you to be born in the United States of America? 
which is why you have so many of the nice things you have? Who surrounded you with people to help you along the way? Who are you without God? You're not much. You're not much. And we think of ourselves so highly, and that's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous thing. Uh, you can do that in, even in marriage. Some of, the, some of those of you who are married uh, can probably identify with the fact that you start thinking of yourself as like, well, I got it together, and, and uh, you know, my spouse helps, but I, I got it together. Who were you? Let's be honest about who you are without them. It's probably a mess. For me, it is. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful that she's in my life, but so much more. I'm grateful for the fact that I have God guiding each and every step along the way and that he has helped me even in times where I was trying not to get God's help. He was still there for me. And when I was running in the wrong directions, he didn't say, okay, let's just leave him. God took somebody who was stubborn and foolish and never stopped pursuing him and loved on him. And that's who I am, the stubborn, foolish one. I'm the sheep. Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. That makes me a sheep. Sheep aren't intelligent. Sheep aren't very special, if we're being honest. It's the shepherd that's special. And that's the next thing you always need to do. One, remember who you are without him. Remember who he is without you, the creator of the world. Any and all good things you experience in your life are things that he has created. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. God's amazing. And when you stop and think about that, it should blow your mind. Have you ever had to write a card for somebody that you love? And you, you sit down and you go, what am I going to put in here? Uh, happy birthday, I love you. Right? Or, uh, you're great. Ha, 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 you're older. I don't know, something. But then you, you, when you sometimes actually put in the work, on a card and you start thinking about who that person is and you start remembering things and you go, oh my gosh, yeah, I want to write this down. You did this and it's so wonderful. You know, my wife and I have a rule uh, that we don't do uh, easy cards. We, don't, we won't do it. It's so easy to say, uh, happy Valentine's Day, love you, babe. I'm not going to do it. If I'm going to give her a card, it's going to be a card where I took the time to write out things that are special about her and why I love her. And it takes a little extra time, but it's good for me as the writer, just as much as it is for her, the reader. And we even, uh, we have this, it's really bad because uh, we have zero artistic skills between the two of us. People joke about how when they read our handwriting, they can't tell which one of us it is because it's just that bad between the two of us. Uh, just awful. And we can't draw either, but we, we do doodles on our cards. Uh, so we decorate the front of it every single time. Uh, we'll spend 30 minutes doing like a picture or something. Why? Because it's, we want to make sure that we're being intentional and speaking love to the other person. It's something we're not good at. Um, but we take our time and we shut down everything else and we say, what is it that I love about this person? Why, how am I going to communicate how much I love them? What is it about them that I love? And you say, oh yeah, we should do that with God. Yeah, and we do every week. I promise you during worship, those lyrics are actually meant to do that. But it's so easy to be in the habit. Just like you can give a card to somebody and you gave the card and that was the right thing to do, but it means nothing. And I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it. You've also done the same thing during worship if you're anything like me. There has been many times where I've sat there in worship and I'm just, 
I'm singing the lyrics. I'm singing them poorly because I can't sing. And we're done. And I sit down, and I'm in. I'm kind of in a different place altogether in my head. I'm thinking about uh, who's Green Bay playing that day. Uh, what am I going to eat for lunch? You know, important things. Uh, and I haven't been thinking about God at all. I haven't been. My heart hasn't been there at all. I've been lost on it. I've forgotten how glorious and amazing it is that there is a God in heaven who's willing to hear from me that day. He's willing to take my love card. As silly as it seems and as poor as my words come out and as bad as my, my picture of love is to him, he's, he's anxious to receive it. And here I haven't even given him the thought to stir up my love for him because stirring it up, I don't want to get all emotional. I don't want, that takes work. And that's what I'm pointing out today. Love takes work. It's an active process. So you want to do those two things, and the third thing you want to do is just do whatever you initially need to do to stir that love. Uh, for some of you, you might need to go in, go in your room by yourself once a week and spend 30 minutes listening to whatever artist helps you uh, to love on Jesus. Or maybe it's getting into a book of the Bible that you read that you know rocks your world and makes you fall back in love with Jesus. I don't know what your thing is, but... Everybody has something uh, that stirs up their love for Jesus, and I'd say you need to do it. Not hope it happens, you need to do it. My parents, uh, when I grew up, uh, and they're, they're here this weekend, and, and I think they'll be here at the next service, um, they're, they're an example of this to me because they had four kids um, and uh, two working adults with those four kids, and my mom actually, for part of that, was not only raising the four and working, but also finishing her degree in her 40s. Um, amazing. We all played sports and did activities after school and all these things, but I can tell you one thing that happened every week. On Monday night or Tuesday night, depending on which season of life it was for us, uh, the phone got taken off the hook. Uh, six cocuses uh, gathered around in the living room and sang poorly to Jesus because uh, there's not a singer in the group, really. Uh, mom, kind of. <laughs> That's not who we are, but we, we spent time loving on Jesus, despite all this other stuff going on. And I know, now looking back at it as an adult, I'm like, how did you do that? How did you have energy for that? When I go home after working and I change Cora's diapers and, and I put her to bed, I'm ready to go to bed myself. I can't even imagine. They had four kids, two jobs, and they spent this time dedicating it to Jesus because they wanted to stir up love for God in our home. And I'm telling you, loving God is work, but it's good work. It's good work. It's active. You need to stir it up. So today, as, uh, as we're getting ready to come to a close, I just want to remind you, you're responsible for the status of your own heart. And loving God has to be a priority. God's going to judge your heart, not, not just your actions. I'm not saying stop coming to church or stop worshiping. I'm saying start doing it from a place where your heart is honoring God because you love Him. Do you love me? Then, right? Do you love me? Then, when you wake up in the morning, do you just get to your habits? I do. But I want to be a person who stirs up my love for Jesus the second I wake up. Jesus, you gave me another day. I don't deserve that. You still love me today. I still, I'm waking up in a house. How blessed am I? God, you're so good. I love you. And then from there, I do. 